It is 11 a.m. on Friday, October 7th, 2022, and this is episode four of Napster. Thanks for asking the monthly podcast based on the Thanks for Asking AMA thread at my blog, Napster. That's K-N-A-P-P-S-T-E-R dot blogspot dot com. I post the thread the Monday before the show. People can ask questions. They can ask me anything. You may also pop onto this live podcast to ask me anything. Not seeing anybody yet. So I guess I will get right into the questions I've been asked. I have only had one question this month, and it's from a longtime supporter of mine and reader, um, David R. Jeffries who asks, have you ever listened to Justin Robert Young's Politics, Politics, Politics podcast? Thanks for asking, Dave. I had never listened to it at the point when the question was asked. But based on David's recommendation, I added it to my RSS reader. I have now listened to an episode. It was the episode from yesterday. And I have to say that the podcast is quite good. It is very much about electoral politics. Who's winning? Who's going to win? What do the polls say? How will this affect this or that election outcome? Which, as readers of my blog know, is a thing that I'm into. At the same time, the show does digress into fun stories and anecdotes and discussions. I noticed that he had uh, a couple of people on the show this time from another podcast he does, including Andrew Heaton, who readers of Reason Magazine will know from his insanely funny videos. Um, Mr. Heaton is a stand-up comedian in addition to being a very astute political commentator. So based on this one episode, I suspect that I will be subscribing and listening to that podcast, the title again is Politics, exclamation mark, Politics, exclamation mark, Politics, exclamation mark, and the host's name is Justin Robert Young. So if you plug some of that information into your favorite search engine, you will find the podcast, and I highly recommend it. Now, that was the only question on this month's Thanks for Asking thread, but as has become a habit with some people, When I look back at the previous month's thread, long after the thread should probably be dead, um, I have people still asking questions. Some of them even ask questions after the new thread is up. The most recent question from the previous month that I did not address on the previous podcast comes from Joel Schlossberg. He asks me, what living public figure would you make the case for libertarianism beyond dismissive stereotypes to if you could pick anyone? Thanks for asking, Joel, and and I don't have a name for that question. I do, however, have a specification. I would look for a well-known and respected actor slash screenwriter who carries the weight in Hollywood to write, produce, and maybe direct successful films of his or her choice. Think about Ron Howard, Clint Eastwood, 
Matt Damon and Ben Affleck got into the business with a screenplay for Goodwill Hunting, went on to become stars with the weight, the money, the power, the popularity to say, I choose what films I'm in. Maybe I even write them. Maybe I direct them. At the very least, I executive produce them so that a film I want to make gets some money to be made. So these are the people in Hollywood who largely determine what you see on the big screen. And so if I could get to one of them, and if I was very persuasive, and if I could talk one of them into becoming a libertarian, I would not explain, I would not expect this person to go all in on making a production, which has already been done, of Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. One moment while I light a cigarette. What I would expect is that becoming a libertarian would inform the values that that person brings to the movies that get made. So you would see libertarian tidbits. You would see libertarian themes and plots working their way into major media. Because let's face it, you look at the most popular writers or podcasters. None of them rack up the numbers that a Tom Cruise does when he gets behind a movie or a Ron Howard does when he chooses a project. None of them get that kind of attention. So, yeah, I would look for a Hollywood figure who I thought could put libertarian ideas in front of people in a way that maybe makes them scratch their heads and and think about things. And, you know, you change one mind at a time, and you don't have to change it in the term, in the way that an evangelical minister who holds an altar call changes the life of someone who goes up to the altar and gets down on his or her knees and gives his or her life to Jesus. Make people think. Make people say, hmm, that's interesting. I should look into this some more. So that's what I do. Now, the wild card here is Scarlett Johansson because, you know, she's Scarlett Johansson. I would not classify Scarlett as one of those figures who, at this point, is directing and screenwriting. She obviously has the star power to choose her projects. I assume she probably has a production company that puts money behind the film she wants to be in. Uh, But she's not quite at the level I'm talking about of personal influence over what gets made and how it gets made. Going back a little bit in last month's thread um, from uh, after last month's podcast, uh, Thane Eichenauer, longtime supporter, Ask me what I think about the four fentanyl illusions as presented by Scott Adams, which are, and Thane posted a helpful graphic, demand can be reduced by what? Portugal experiment worked. Addicts have free will and personal responsibility. Addicts know they got fentanyl. Well, Scott Adams is describing all these as illusions. How can fentanyl demand be reduced? It can be reduced. It's quite simple. The reason that fentanyl is included in street versions of, say, heroin, 
is that it requires incredibly tiny amounts for the same effect, which makes it easier to smuggle. And then if I have a kilo of heroin, I cut it with a bunch of powdered sugar or whatever, a baby laxative, and a tiny bit of fentanyl, and I have two kilos of heroin. If heroin was legal, who would bother? They would just sell the heroin. You would get a known dose. There would still be overdoses because people don't always know what they handle. But if I go to Walgreens and there is a dose and a potency described on the box, it's probably going to be correct. If I buy a bag from a guy I've never met on a street corner, I have no idea what's in it. But I can reduce his demand for heroin to cut his, for fentanyl to cut his heroin with by making it easy for Walgreens to sell me heroin and I don't have to go to that guy. As far as the Portugal experiment, quote, working, unquote, I don't know whether it worked. I don't remember if I thanked Thane for asking. Thank you for asking, Thane. I, I really have no comment on the Portugal experiment. My impression is that it reduced some overdoses. It reduced people in jail. Those are good things. Um, but other than that, I don't know. Addicts have free will. Parentheses, personal responsibility, close parentheses. This is a long-standing debate. It is my personal belief that, yes, in fact, addicts do have free will. They face hard and difficult decisions with physical and mental consequences. But I will be honest, I've known crackheads who have given me the excuse that I can't help it. You're hurting. I understand that. You're hooked on this drug. I understand that. You want it so bad. I understand that. You can, in fact, decide to go through all those terrible consequences and say no. Could I be wrong about that? Yes, I could. Addicts know they got fentanyl. At this point, and I'm lighting another cigarette, I have to assume that most addicts, to, especially to opioids, who are buying drugs on the street, know that there's a chance they're getting something that's cut with fentanyl. It's been out there. It's been a big boogeyman. It's around. I think they do, in fact, have a good idea they're getting fentanyl. They may not know. They probably can't know without having their drugs tested, which, let's be honest, Opioid junkies generally are not well known for. MDMA users may get a test kit. Opioid users, not so much. Now, further in my reply to Thane, you know, I think Scott Adams is obsessed with a problem caused by and only soluble by in the war on drugs. Now, why is he obsessed? His stepson died of an opiate overdose. And that's sad. And ever since then, Adams has been obsessed with fentanyl. He you know, would more or less go to war with China over fentanyl. Um, and I understand that obsession. I sympathize with that obsession. 
I don't think that we get to an end to overdoses and other bad side effects of drugs with a war on drugs, with a war on drug dealers, with a war on countries that the drugs come from. It just doesn't work that way. People want drugs. They're going to get drugs. And if the government gets in the way, they're going to pay more for the drugs. They're going to get less reliable drugs. More of them are going to overdose. More of them are going to go to jail. More of them are going to have to quit their jobs and steal the stereo out of your car to buy their dope because they can't hold a job. So you know, on this whole, I, I basically consider Scott Adams all wet on fentanyl. Um, and I see that as driven by his personal obsession. So I still see no callers on the live podcast, which is a sad thing. I really wish that you all were there for me. I'm hurt, people. Actually, I figure you all have better things to do at 11 a.m. on a Friday morning. That's a convenient time for me to podcast. It may not be a convenient time for you to listen. As you can hear, my uh, voice is very scratchy. The last couple of days I've had scratchy throat, stuffed up nose. I don't know if it's allergies. I don't know if I've got the COVID. I really don't know. I do know that because I love you so much, I prepared this morning by taking an allergy pill. Um, I can't remember the name of it. You would recognize it. Um, it's one of those big name ones, only I have the prescription, the uh, generic variety that my wife uses. I don't use them very often. And right before this podcast, by having a shot of Jim Beam bourbon. Yes, I did that for you. Before 11 in the morning, I was already drinking for you. You're welcome. So we're, you know, at about, I think we're, at, we're over 15 minutes now. This is actually longer than the little podcast I've been doing. Because of my scratchy throat, I'm covering my mic to cough. <coughs> because of my scratchy throat, I am going to go ahead and cut this short uh, after I cover a couple of housekeeping items. This show is based on the Thanks for Asking monthly thread at my blog, Napster. That is K-N-A-P-P-S-T-E-R.blogspot.com. I also write op-eds at the William Lloyd Garrison Center for Libertarian Advocacy Journalism, which is located at thegarrisoncenter.org. And finally, and most importantly right now, I'll explain why in a second, I am the publisher, along with editor Steve Trimwood, of Rational Review News Digest, which you can find at news.rationalreview.com, which is the Internet's oldest daily email roundup of news and commentary for libertarians. It's been around since 1991. Steve and I have both been involved with, with, with it in its current incarnation since 2002. So we're coming up on 20 years, more than 5,000 daily editions since 2002, another 7,500 in its previous art, uh, incarnations probably, um, or excuse me, probably another 2,500 in its previous incarnations news.rationalreview.com and we are running what is called our year-end fundraiser. We subsist entirely 
on the support of our readers. And we don't eat much, but we got to eat. Nine months out of the year, here's how we fundraise. Every week or two weeks or month, I will mention, hey, we're reader supported. Feel free to help us, blah, blah, blah. But starting October 1st, we set a goal um, to fundraise for the end of the year. And we fundraise till we reach that goal, and then we shut the fuck up until the following October, except for, you know, just the occasional reminder. Our goal this year is $5,150, but it's really $2,575 because one of our longtime supporters, who I'll call GL, those are his initials, uh, does a matching funds thing. This will be the third year in a row he's done it. We raised 2575 bucks. He gives us 2575 bucks. And therefore, we are at 5150 bucks. Now, do I hope that if you like this podcast and if you like my blog, um, if you like the work I do, that you will support Rational Review News Digest? I absolutely do. The URL again is news.rationalreview.com, or if you want to go directly to the place where you give us money, it's news.rationalreview.com slash support dash R-R-N-D. But you can click on the support link at the front page, news.rationalreview.com. I appreciate any help you want to send our way in advance. I know that some of you who participate in the the threads on my blog and, and other things already support Rational Review News Digest. I hope that you will uh, continue to do so, and I am eternally grateful to everyone who makes it possible for me to do things like the blog and R&D and the Garrison Center and this podcast. Um, I'm not rich, but I'm living the life I've chosen, and I'm able to because people who like what I do help. So, That is about it. Man, I'm over 20 minutes. I'm just really on a roll here. Napster, K-N-A-P-P-S-T-E-R.blogspot.com, The Garrison Center, thegarrisoncenter.org, Rational Review News Digest, news.rationalreview.com. Those are my things. Thanks for asking, and thanks for listening.